Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. For the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Sainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, back for another episode of Brew Strong, here with my good uh, buddy, John the Rock Palmer. Where? <laughs> greetings, greetings, how you doing? And my other good good friend here, uh, Jason Petros. I don't know what to laugh at more. <laughs> you said the rock, and he said where, like a fiend, or that he called everyone cretins. I like that. I like that about you, Palmer. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's, you know, everybody's got to like something. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me know what it is about me, and then uh, we'll go We're there. still working on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, got a whole lab devoted to, to, yeah. to figuring that one out. Yeah, there's so, a... so Mike wasn't available tonight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Cold, cold, cold. You know, I can tell you this, our, our fine new sponsor, Blickman Engineering. And uh, my good buddy, John Blickman himself, uh, would be very, uh, he, he'd be your friend, JP. I've, I've, I've talked to that guy a couple times. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. You know, that that's one of the things, you know, I, I, I got a chance to hang out with him out in Milwaukee at uh, the Northern Brewer opening, and and uh, he's funny, he's uh, entertaining, he's uh, a little goofy at times, you know, he's, he, you know, he's a regular homebrew dude, you know, he's... Uh, uh, you know, despite all his uh, engineering prowess to 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 make these uh, incredible pieces of equipment, brewing equipment, he's uh, just your average uh, funny, nice guy. You know, you want to hang out with and have some beers with, uh, much like uh, John Palmer. Yeah, let's yeah. Not, let's not get, that's let's a nice comparison. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, let's, Jonathan. Let's not really push this into unrealistic air territory here. <laughs> <laughs> But, but JP, uh, it's good to have you on the show. Uh, well, thanks. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on again. Yeah, no, no, uh, it's, it's it's good to have you on. I, I think you bring a uh, a nice, uh, you know, what uh, you know, odor. Br- it's a little something. You know? <laughs> yeah. it's yeah, we can't put our finger on yeah, it. Quite, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure the Glade has a plug-in for it, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> oh. Jamil's writing jokes. No, I think I think, uh, <laughs> I think uh, you know. I think you bring a good uh, brewer's perspective to yeah. you know. Uh, you've seen a lot of stuff from uh, a lot of brewers in in your job. You well, know, yeah. you deal with a, a, a vast number of home brewers, and true. Uh, and you know a lot of pro brewers as well. And you do a lot of your own brewing as, as well as being one of our brewers for uh, Can You Brew It? Yeah. So. Uh, no, it's it's nice nice to have you on. No, yeah, anytime. Uh, I uh, I, pr- I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, anyways, uh, let's let's see. So Blickman is sponsoring our show now. They uh, uh, John decided to uh, uh, pay cash money so you could listen to the show for free. 
and uh, I think that's pretty pretty sweet. So if you get a chance, uh, you need to you know respond back to Blickman. Let them know that uh, you listen to the show, and that his money isn't wasted. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, dear John, your dear money John, is not wasted. It's not wasted, <laughs> love <I>, listener. <laughs> I appreciated listening to the show for free. Um, you know, go to go to go to their website uh, www.blickmanengineering.com. And Blickman is B L I C H M A N N. Again, if you just go to Google and type in something that kind of sounds like Blickman and engineering, uh, it'll take you to the right site. And you're going to see there, you're going to see their their top tier uh, modular brewing stand. Uh, very sweet because you can you can make this thing work for just about any size batch you want to do, and uh, you know really it's, customizable. It's, it's a it's a great piece of art and <laughs> equipment. I mean, just the way they run the lines and things like that are just really sweet. It's a really well done piece of piece of gear. Uh, their kettles, they've got uh, you know the Therminator for chilling your wort. They've got uh, you know the beer gun for filling your bottles with the quiescent fill. They've got uh, you know the, the the conical fermenters. They got everything, and you know all this stuff. You know John's design, John's used. He really knows, and you know John Blickman, and then Palmer. You're using a uh, top tier system, right? Yeah, I am. I, I have a lot of their equipment. Um, it's just I I I really like the way the amount of design you know that he's put into these things the amount of consideration a huge he's amount of it. design yeah you know he's and, thought of all the little things yeah you know stuff to make your brew day easier to make your beer more consistent to remove all those things that you worry about uh you know hot side aeration and you know uh you know co2 in your bottle or you know oxygen in your in your bottles things like that yeah he's always thinking about stuff he's always looking you know what you know? What's the next gadget that would you know improve mm-hmm. the brew day? Yeah, what, what good stuff? What process can he make easier? What you know? How can he make your beer better? And uh, that's sweet stuff. And I, uh, you know, we really appreciate them uh, sponsoring this show. They uh, again, they're they're bringing this show to you for free. And the the sweet thing about Blickman is uh, as a sponsor is you can go to your local homebrew shop and uh, you can buy your, your Blickman gear through them, support your local homebrew shop as well, which is really important because without those local homebrew shops, we don't get homebrewers, and uh, you know the whole hobby goes goes down the toilet. So make sure your local homebrew shop is, uh, feels some of the love too. You know, go in there and uh, see if you can pick up some, some Blickman gear. If you can't, that's all right. I understand. You know, it's a bad economy and... Uh, uh, you know, but at the very least, a you know a phone call or uh, an email is uh, you know pretty much free, and uh, you know send one out to, to Blickman, show him some love for uh, for showing us uh, showing us some love. Okay, yeah. All right. You might think that uh, just you know shooting an email to a sponsor, even though you're not going to buy anything right now, or mm-hmm. you can't, or whatever, right, right. Uh, isn't going to do anything. It does. Yeah, it absolutely. does a lot. It it, it really does. It, uh, it 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 lets them know that that. Uh, they're in the public eye. People know about them. People are mm-hmm. talking about them. People mm-hmm. appreciate what they do. Um, so yeah, just do it. Don't you know? Don't think about it. Don't think. Oh, you know, someone else will write it for me. No. Yeah. Oh, they do won't, it. You they do it yourself. Care. Yeah. Or they won't read it. Now, JP's right. Um, it, it makes a huge difference because uh, you know the number of people who think about it and say, "Oh yeah, I'll 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 go ahead and send an email," and then they don't because it's too much trouble to to actually do it. Yeah, uh, that's the majority of people, and just a tiny fraction of people actually send the email. So if you go out there and send that email to them, 
you know, they're going to see it. They're going to, you know, they'll be surprised. It's it's like right near your, you know, your legislator, you know, it's your congressperson. They get three emails. They're freaking out because <laughs> yeah. normally the number of people who are willing to actually put the effort out to send an email is yeah. like non Especially something positive. Right, right. You'll find everybody saying, everybody, saying something negative. Wants to bitch and complain. Yeah, yeah. But right. the person that sends something positive, it, it holds a lot more weight. That's so very definitely rare. email and, uh, and and let them know uh, where you heard about them. Excellent point, buddy. All right. Thanks, uh, thanks pal. <laughs> all right. He's my, he's my beer pal. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, today's topic. Hey, guys. This is Brewpastor Tom Hart from Corrales, Tabasco here. I have a topic that I'd love for you to cover. Aeration and oxygenation. What's a brewer to do? Aeration or oxygenation? I mean, why one and why the other? Lots of questions, like what volumes are useful and what happens if you go overboard? How does temperature affect saturation? What are the different standards of measurement, how they compare with each other? You know, there's more gadgets out there than you can shake a aeration wand out. So the questions go on and on. So I'll just leave it to you to uh, walk us through it all. Thanks for what you're doing. Bruce Strong, Prost. Yeah, Tom is a longtime listener, and uh, he's a uh, you know, long-time BJCB judge. And, really? You know, he's, he's, he's been in the, uh, the homebrew game and BJCPN game, you know, like twice as long as I have. How come he doesn't have his own show? He does every Sunday. He's a brew pastor. His show is <laughs> his of, show is the Lord's show. show is of a different kind. He produces the Lord's show. That's right. Yeah, that's God, a good point. God has a different different path for him. Yes. For me, it's getting drunk and, and talking to a balls. microphone yeah. in, in, a, in a studio that smells like sweaty nuts dogs. <laughs> for him, it's you know doing the Lord's work. Right. So, which one of us is really you know? <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. Now I'm feeling depressed. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make a pro-con list for you, Jamil. Yeah. yeah no, don't do that. I'll yeah. end up committing suicide. And, yeah. You know, that's not what they want. That's that's a sin as well. Right. Well, we chip it up for a vote. Sing! But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh... It's not often, but every once in a while, Palmer comes up with something that's actually funny. <laughs> yeah, I did. There, there you go. There's an example right Love there. Love it. <laughs> All right. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, let's let's dig into uh, aeration and everything about it. Back after this. Smart. Brew Strong. This is Brew Strong. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand. Most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand. The only brewing stand that grows with you. 
For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer and start brewing from the top tier. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Catherine the Great Imperial Stout, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and happy hour all day Mondays. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Hell no. We need it for a Flinders Red. I'm going to cast Pediacocket's Damnethus on the barrel. Sorry, your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. Ugh, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks! What do we have here? Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy! We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long-lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping. Only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre-prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on cask and 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com In the past year, the Brewing Network has been able to add two new shows, expand our studio capabilities and quality, and bring more beer information home to you than ever before. In no small part, this is due to subscribers like you. Thank you from all of us at the Brewing Network. Without your monthly support of any denomination, we could not bring you the very best in live beer radio like Can You Brew It? Brew Strong and the Sunday Session. Haven't signed up yet? Join your fellow brewers in the BN Army. Sign up today at thebrewingnetwork.com for a recurring donation as little as $2 a month. Besides all the great live radio you'll support, every subscriber is automatically entered in monthly raffles for amazing brew gear like a conical fermenter, a temperature control system, or your own draft setup. Become a part of the BN Army today. Elo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. <laughs> it's the Brewing Network. Hey, 
back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Uh, Tom's got a great question about uh, aeration. Yeah, you know, we all know that we should aerate our wort before pitching our yeast or during pitching our yeast before fermentation. And the whole purpose is to, uh, you know, provide the oxygen that the yeast need to form the sterols, which are used for uh, the cell membrane permeability, things like that. Uh, essentially, for the health of the yeast when they're replicating and getting ready to ferment the batch of beer. So that's, you know, that's a really, you know, why you need to add uh, oxygen. And oxygen could be added a number of ways. So you see these devices for like splashing the wort into your fermenter. You see uh, like aquarium pumps with a sterile filter into you know uh, using that to, to to bubble away for a long period of time. Or you see uh, oxygen, uh, you know, sintered stones with an oxygen tank. People use the the little welding oxygen tanks. I use a uh, medical oxygen tank because it has a, uh, a, a regulator that uh, controls the flow of oxygen. Uh, I can dial it in half a liter, you know, quarter liter, half a liter, a full liter, whatever, um, of flow and controls a, a nice consistent flow into the beer so you can actually measure how much oxygen you're, you're delivering. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, Tom had a lot of good questions here. Yep. Uh, all right, so... Tom was, uh, and, and here's a, a common question, and I think uh, I, I get this one a lot because I talk oxygen and uh, kind of poo-poo the, the aeration thing, and I think in uh, How to Brew, uh, you mention aeration uh, with a, an aquarium pump and a sterile filter. Right. And so right. Pe- people say, well, why one versus the other? Um, you, you, should we Should we debate? So we put on our, our geek caps, and you take aeration, aeration with an aquarium pump. I'll take the oxygen, uh, or should we just run through it? Well, we could we could do a little bit, but I okay, probably. I mean, if we we if we get too caught up in the debate, then we're gonna we're gonna miss the uh, we'll the start punching the each other and yeah. calling each other names. And, uh, but I wouldn't mind hearing you both state a nice case, then like we, that part then of we, the debate. Then we cry know? and we hug and we make up. <laughs> I mean, it happens so so often in the show. Yeah, we can we could save that part for later. <laughs> yeah, and the show's over, Jamil. That's when Palmer really can cuddle. Yeah, he, he and I have slept together in the in the same room. I I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So, uh, uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll start off. I, I think. Um, yeah, try. <laughs> That's too. I know, I'm, what I'm gonna, the heck? I'm going to be tasty right now, and I'm going to start keeping start, track of John's I'm hits. Going to start scoring this. That's two hits. No, no, no. For John. That's two homers. No, I, I think uh, you know one of the the values to using an aquarium pump uh, to add oxygen to your beer is that it, you know it's it's relatively inexpensive. Uh, you know, once you've bought the pump and the sterile filter. You know that's good for endless amounts of of uh, batches, and right. you know you just plug it in. You're going to run you know a penny or two of electricity, and that's going to add enough oxygen to really do what you need to do with with the beer. Yep, there is a downside, of course, but yeah, yeah. that's foaming, right? And the problem with foaming is 
You got to turn off the pump, otherwise you're in, just have tons of foam coming out of the fermenter. Right. Well, and you know, we uh, did that uh, uh, show on uh, you know head retention on foam. Yeah. Uh, you know, go back to the archives. You can pick that up for free, thanks to uh, you know our lovely sponsors. And uh, uh, you know, the problem is those head forming proteins they only form once. And if you're running, uh, you know, a, a stone inside your your wort for 45 minutes, which some people tend to do. Uh, that tend to use these aquarium pumps, you're you're destroying those head forming proteins, uh, mm-hmm. and you could uh, you know seriously impact uh, head retention on your beer. And and a number of people have said you know yeah you know I I started doing this and I I I'm not getting any head on my beers. What's going on? I didn't know that's an, an amazing point that that I only form once. Because right. wh- while you're talking about that, I was thinking couldn't you use foam control like I do in the boil and in my mm-hmm. starters? Mm-hmm. But then again, yeah. would that ruin those um, those head forming components also? No, it doesn't. That's uh, yeah, that's a whole different action. Okay, would it work then using foam control and then not have to worry about the over foaming? Hmm. I believe so. I, th- I think I think Push had said he uses that uh, with uh, with pump or oxygen doesn't have as much foaming um, during the aeration stage then. Huh. Well, oh, and, and you know the, the the value to using uh, pure oxygen is you run it for far less time, right? Because uh, you know you're talking about five times as much uh, oxygen as you are with uh, regular air, right? So right. you run it a fifth the amount of time, and then uh, you know the other thing about uh, running oxygen is it's sterile already. You don't need to run a sterile filter. I I know a lot of people have run. Uh, I've talk to people that they put a sterile filter in line in their oxygen and you really don't need to do that because nothing's living in 100 percent oxygen so that's that's not an issue right 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 yeah um i guess a, a, a downside to oxygen is that um you know in the the whole purpose of aeration is to get oxygen dissolved into the wort where it's mm-hmm. accessible for the yeast mm-hmm. you know um Yeast can't use a bubble that's rising through the right. through the word. They need, what they can use is as that bubble rises, the surface area of that bubble, the contact of that bubble with the word, you know, is going to peel off a few oxygen molecules here and there as it rises. Mm-hmm. And so, I think the a downside to using oxygen, you know, people will put a, a stone into the word and they'll give it a blast to oxygen for. 30 seconds and they say okay that's that's the amount that's, that I, I need mm-hmm. the trouble is you know uh, depending on the size of the stone and and the depth of the wort and so on other factors uh you know 90 percent of what you of that blast could have just risen to the surface and exited the fermenter oh 99 percent of it does I mean, yeah. you don't eat, and the same's true with air. the The difference is uh, the headspace of your fermenter, and this is really dependent on on how much headspace you have and how shallow and wide your fermenter is. So, the wider your fermenter, uh, you know, if you're doing this in a um, in a, uh, a, a corny keg, you know, okay. you have a narrow surface. If you're doing it in a uh, a six-gallon glass carboy or a bucket, you have a much wider surface, and you know how much that the fermenter is filled. If you run your oxygen or your air until you've filled that that area over the wort, below the the, the restricted neck of the carboy, 
One of the reasons why carboys is nice. That's, you know, you fill that with pure oxygen. The surface area, that's really where it's like a, in, a, in, a, in a fish tank uh, yeah. you know, with an aquarium. Really, uh, you know, the, the whole reason behind the centered stones in, a, in an aquarium and the bubbling action is to keep the surface moving and keep exchanging liquid to the surface of the aquarium. You have that large uh, surface area in an aquarium. As you as you the uh, bubbles rise, they they draw liquid with them from the bottom. The the liquid that has no oxygen on the bottom rises to the surface, exchanges with the surface liquid. It's kind of similar to what happens in a, on a stir plate when you're stirring a starter. You're you know mixing that liquid, so you're getting more oxygen deficient liquid to the surface, and you get diffusion through the 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 surface layer. And that's really where a lot of it happens. So if you fill that head of that fermenter with oxygen, you get quite a bit in, into the, you know, the, the bubbles that rise are really not where it's at. Um, it's really it's just, the surface, yeah. it's, it's a surface, but it's, you know, the, the reason for the smaller bubbles, um, you know, people go, well, do I really need a centered stone? Then can I just fill the surface area of the, of the fermenter? You can, and you can shake and all that, but. The benefit to having the centered stone at the bottom and all those fine bubbles is the fine bubbles draw considerably more liquid from the bottom to the surface and keep the whole surface, uh, the whole uh, mass of liquid exchanging with the surface and the oxygen at the top. And that's how you develop a lot of oxygen into your liquid. And so that's the advantage of the centered stone. And you can do that with air or oxygen. Um, again, you know, having pure oxygen at the top, you're going to get, you know, five times as much, you know, O2 into your liquid, right? Very good point, yeah. Well, and, you know, what's what's the temperature effect on saturation? That's one thing. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. hot wort versus cool wort, you know, lager wort, if you're already cooled down for lager brewing. Uh, what's what's the, the difference in... Uh, uh, you know, uh, solubility of uh, oxygen in in a given liquid at a given temperature, John. Uh, you know, I don't I don't have a good number. You know, for difference, I know that um, the saturation point is, I think, 0. 0.8 um, parts per million at um, sixty degrees, I believe, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I'm not sure what what how the uh, the solubility goes from there, but mm-hmm. we could probably go to like um, Wikipedia, Wikipedia or the right. a CRC, and get the solubility constant for lower temperatures. Well, and and whose law is it? Is it uh, Charles oh. or what, what? What's what? What law is it that the, you know the warmer the liquid, the less uh, soluble? Yes, yeah, Charles' law. Uh, is that Charles? All right, I, I can never remember. But it was Crossley's law. <laughs> Now, that has to do with temperature and sex. Yeah. Um, so the warmer your wort, the less uh, oxygen is going to dissolve into that wort. And uh, <clears throat> this is interesting because you, know, you, you might think to yourself, well, you know, what really does it matter? Now, if you're doing ales, you actually need less oxygen in ale than you do in a lager. Right. right. Why you, is it? You need, you need a little more yeast in a, in a lager. Um, if you're pitching more yeast, even again, you want some growth in your beer of, of the yeast in your beer. If you're pitching a lager at double the amount of your ale yeast, 
you got double the amount of cells that are going to need some oxygen to pick up mm. so they can do their growth, cell health, all that stuff, right? Um, so one of the things you want to do is you know chill your wort down to fermentation temperature, add your oxygen, and add your yeast. Again, I, I got a real problem with um, doing lagers at warm temperatures and starting out at 75 degrees or whatever it is between right, the yeast right. and doing the oxygen. I just I think that's I, I don't think that really is going to give you the best lager. If you want the best lagers, I think you chill your wort down first. You add your oxygen, you add your yeast. Like uh, you know, they do it. Uh, you know, uh, Gordon Biersch, Dan Gordon's you know also a proponent of this. You, you chill it down. You add your oxygen, you add your yeast, and and you can get more oxygen into that word as well. Well, I think you should stop saying I think, and you should just say do it. Do it, you bastards. I mean, you know, <gasps> I said bastards. <laughs> because if you, you know, brew pastor, please forgive me. You're thinking. I think this. I think that. It sounds like you don't have anything to back it up, but you do because you have industry professionals and you have historical brewing records from uh, Jamil. So, See, I think you pointed out one of the things. Uh, you know, I say I think, but. I really just you just know I know and you know but you don't want to tell people I don't want to tell people yeah yeah we don't want to alienate our listeners but really chill first pitch later we want to loggernate them (laughs) right right I think people tell me oh no it works just fine it's like well yeah you know it it can work okay but I think if you if you want to make the best beer well it works anything works you put yeast in in uh, sugar and water and uh, it'll work yeah it'll work Mm -hmm. but is it good right we don't know. Right. No, that, that that's a good point. That's a good point, JP. Well, I don't know. All right. Okay. Uh, one of the other questions Tom had was, uh, what's too much? Too much oxygen? Yeah. 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 Um, you can get too much oxygen. You can start um, um, oxidizing uh, various you know, melanoidin compounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this gets into not necessarily the hot side aeration, but um, you know oxidation mechanisms you can set up uh, by oxidizing melanoidins. Um, you can create um, particles that will not particles, but you can create compounds that will break down later in the life of the beer mm-hmm. and uh, cause staling. Right. So um, you're adding oxygen. You're actually encouraging staling. Yeah. Now, you know, going back to the hot side aeration show, you know, and, and some of the recent shows with Charlie Bamforth, um, you know, a good, healthy ferment will clean all that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, I think, um, I've tasted beers that have been oxi- uh, or aerated using hydrogen peroxide. Mm-hmm. I've tasted beers um, where... Uh, a lot of oxygen was used for a long period of time, mm-hmm. and uh, those haven't been as good as uh, shorter oxygen oxygenation times or, or aquarium air pump mm-hmm. uh, aeration methods. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is possible, and and we've talked about uh, Chad's beers and his loggers, mm-hmm. where he was trying to really you know um, do five minutes at uh, like three liters a minute. <laughs> And uh, they were coming out hot alcohol. I mean, they were yeah. coming out like solventy. He was doing everything else right. And and I've had a number of people who have who have run into the same problem. 
because the the internet lore is well, you can't add too much oxygen. It's impossible for you know solubility. Solubility, and, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm telling you realistically. You can, and I don't know if it's because all that oxygen gets in the headspace and later gets absorbed, and you know the yeast outstrip all the other nutrients, or because you wouldn't think that they could, you know, get to a point where, uh, you know, the oxygen was a a, a problem, and, and and maybe it's something else. I don't, I you know, I don't know exactly what the mechanism is for it. I I just know you can add too much oxygen if you're if you don't pure <laughs> oxygen. You just can't. You can't. Well, yeah. I I'd, I'd say you know any any experiment that you read about online, mm-hmm. um, try for yourself. Before you believe it 100%. Before you really buy into it. Try it. You know, try this it crappy see. here on one of these, these brewing uh, network shows. <laughs> yeah, these brewing network guys. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. But really, that's the best way you're going to know, is you teach yourself if that's if that works for you mm-hmm. or not, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and um, yeah, just don't wholesale believe everything. Uh, you know, everyone has their own slant on things. Well, John, what about this? Uh, so, y- you can do too much, but I-, I guess Tom wants to know what is too much. So... I think emptying a tank. Right. Well, you know, I I like to start at uh, like a (laughs) half a liter or a liter per minute and, um, you know, run for a minute and see how that works for you. If it's not enough, you go you go more. You you know, if it's too much, you go less. And And you'll know by the beer flavor. So by seeing if that works for you, you mean um, over a few batches. Yeah. yeah, Tasting it and, 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 and seeing. It's all based on taste. Okay. And, you know, if the beer turned out the quality you like and if there's any problems that, uh, you know, are related to, you know, oxygenation. The, uh, um, you know, the interesting thing, a lot of people don't have, like, a regulator that can control flow, like a medical regulator. I think you pick them up on eBay pretty cheap, actually. But, you know, the the thing you want to do is have a consistent amount of oxygen going in. You want the amount going through the stone and rising up to look the same every time. If you can do that, then once you have that dialed in, you need to pay particular attention to what it looks like every time. Um, then you can measure, and it really doesn't matter what that flow is, just dial it in on your welding tank uh, to, to look the same every single time. If it always looks exactly the same, then you can look at your watch and say, all right, I've done 30 seconds of what looks to me the same every time. I've done a minute. A uh, minute seems good. I'm going to try a minute and a half. Oh, you know, now I'm getting these uh, hmm. hot alcohols. A minute and a half is too much. I'm going to go back to a minute 15. I'm going to go back to a minute. And then time, you know, it's very easy to measure time. Everybody's got the ability to measure time. And that's what you want to get to. So it doesn't really matter that you're you're flowing exactly a liter a minute or whatever measurement. It's that you can reproduce the flow each time mm-hmm. and then, you know, measure it with your watch. With the uh, with the oxygen tanks, it's it's hard, and, and you can actually kind of feel when uh, you know when it's open enough to start letting air in. Uh-huh. Uh, because I ferment in a conical, mm-hmm. so I have no way of seeing, seeing if, if it's it. flow, uh, yeah. but I can feel it, which is seems kind of weird. So I go by feel. So I'll, I'll start opening it until I can kind of, and you can kind of hear it too. It'll kind of go, you know, through the thing, uh, and I open it a little bit more, and I, I think I have kind of a, a you know. Sort of a, oh. a setting there, but but for those of us in a conical, say like you know a what? Blickman conical, how would you, how would you, how, about, how do you know? How about this? You know, you could actually, 
what you can get pretty cheap is um, little, uh, you know, gas flow meters uh-huh. on like eBay, right? Right. It's, it's essentially a little ball in a plastic tube that's yeah. marked, right? Right. Put that on your fermenter. <laughs> you know, if you seal off the fermenter and, you know, the gas flowing out... You could you could actually measure how much flow is coming out of that thing, or in. I mean, you could put it in line with your oxygenation uh, assembly. Maybe you could, but you definitely could do it as it's coming out. And you know, whatever's coming out of that, you know, if you're if you're running the same, you know, uh, reading on that every time, it's consistent. That that's hmm. all you need. It doesn't matter what the number is, it's, as long as you're just doing the same thing every time. What do you think, John? Well. That all that uh, is very well, true. Well, that's a that's a load of crap. <laughs> no. no, all that is very true. I think I I would just circle back around to uh, why are we uh, why are we oxygenating? Uh-huh. And it's you know it's to get the the yeast to synthesize the sterols they need, mm-hmm. get them up to full strength. Now, once they got this those um, sterols synthesized, they have the materials they need to do cell reproduction. Because they can only reproduce so many times before they've exhausted that that material, and they can't uh, can't replicate anymore. So, you know, you can put in. And I was talking to Colin Kaminsky a couple weeks ago, and he brought up a good point that if you use a stir plate, mm-hmm. um, you can put yeast on the stir plate, you know, with some work uh, for about four hours, and in that time. The yeast will have uh, built up their sterols, you know, to full capacity, mm-hmm. and you can pitch that yeast into um, the wort mm-hmm. without aerating the wort, because right. you know you've done that you've done that oxygenation huh. mm-hmm. of the cells at that point. Mm-hmm. They've absorbed all the oxygen and made all the sterols they're going to use mm-hmm. um, that they would use in the fermenter itself. So. Mm-hmm. But it, you know there there is a window there. If you go, you know, twenty four hours, now you know now they're they're utilizing um, their glycogen re- reserves, their treeless reserves. Um, you know, you've you've gone you've gone over the hill. You've gone past that point where um, you're going to want to add some more oxygen in the fermenter at that point. Right. Well, and that's that's part of the difficulty of that is you know you don't know that they really have. An appropriate reserve where of glycogen exactly and triolose uh, from wherever you got that yeast initially, what their initial state is. Well, yeah. and, and this is one of the things with uh, you know the you know there was a whole big thing where people got all excited about adding olive oil to uh, yeah. to the, to their beer in order to avoid uh, oxygenating and uh, you know uh, encouraging staling of their beer. Right, so the whole point was, um, you know, they could the the yeast could get uh, what they needed to the to um, uh, build their their cell walls without oxygen, and thus you avoid oxygenating your wort, which causes staling, which you know, et cetera, et cetera. But again, I think you know, um, you know, I, I I think there's a whole uh, you know reason there for. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm just not 100 percent convinced. I, I think you can still. I think that there's a danger in over oxygenating. I think there's a danger in yeah. you know uh, head retention. I think there's uh, you know all those issues. I, again, I think these are really fine issues, and that um, 
you know the 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 difference between oxygen because you could you could instead of a stir plate you can just bubble oxygen into your your um, your yeast slurry. Yeah, yeah. Give them oxygen that way, and then pitch them. I mean, that's also possible. Well, I think yeah. uh, you know that uh, um, olive oil thing was was based on research done at New Belgium, right? Right. But I think they were just saying it could be done, but right. I don't think they were even doing it. Well, they did it, and then they're just like, yeah, it's within tolerances, but you know, they they pretty much dropped it too. Yeah. So I mean, because it know. does affect the flavor. Sure. You know, it's, it's not as effective as adding oxygen. I think one of the things you lose if you um, Add the oxygen to the yeast directly. Um, you know, well, you can I, kill them. Well, yeah, uh, or yeah, or wreck them. Yeah, um, you you could uh, you could uh, uh, you know add you know add the yeast the oxygen to the yeast directly, but the the difficulty is you know you add the yeast to the to the wort. And they don't have that layer of oxygen over the in the headspace that you know they they start to draw on as as they replicate. And the whole thing about the cell walls that John was talking about earlier is, um, you know, imagine taking a a balloon, right? And you blow a little bit of air into it, and then you, you know, twist it with cocaine it off. and swallow it, <laughs> and shove then it, fly on a plane, <laughs> shove it up. No, no. Yeah. Um, now you you know you twist off into two balloons, right? Uh, and then you take that resulting balloon and you blow a little more air into it and you twist it off into two more balloons. And what's happening is the the you know the the balloon material that that skin of that balloon is getting thinner and thinner and tighter and tighter. And if you weren't able to kind of replace that material, uh, you know, you wouldn't be able to twist it off into into more little small balloons, right? Uh, each time you do that, you're you're taking you know, half the material that the balloon has and giving it away. Yep. And every time another cell buds off of a yeast cell, it takes half of everything that yeast cell has and gives it away. And that yeast cell can only do that a certain number of times before it's pretty much, you know, spent. And, you know, so, you know, the, the, the proper nutrients, it's not just oxygen that limits, you know, yeast cell growth. It's other nutrients that are available in the wort, it's other, you know, conditions, uh, you know, uh, yeast cell, you know, every time they bud, they get a scar. You know, they're only, they're only capable of, you know, budding a certain number of times before they're too scarred out to bud again. Uh, you know, uh, of course, that's, that's far more than uh, they normally reproduce anyways. But, you know, you get like three or four buddings and then, you know, that's it. That's, you know, they've, they've run their course, no matter how much you, you tend to pump in there. So... Uh, you know, all that extra oxygen tends to go towards, I, I guess, oxidation of the of the wort. How many bud scars do you have, JP? <laughs> <laughs> I've given half of myself more, away more times than more I can. than you want to count. count. All right, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll we'll, we'll dig more into uh, Tom's questions about uh, aeration. Back after that. Your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. 
White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmasters Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. BN Army members, are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Hollertower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate shipping and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. This holiday season is one of gratitude, giving, and winning. More Beer says thank you to all their wonderful customers with deals from Thanksgiving through New Year's, in addition to low prices, free shipping, and the More Beer deal of the day every day. And one lucky customer is going to win Regan's Big Fat Package, the very first More Beer pressurizable conical fermenter. Rolling out just in time for the holidays, it's their brand new redesigned stainless conical line with a new threadless racking port, new stand options and a new pressurizable lid. They're giving away one of these new pressurizable conicals on December 31st. For every order you place with more beer between November 1st and December 31st, use the coupon code CONICAL up to once every day to enter yourself into the drawing. Go to morebeer.com for more details. The 2009 More Beer season of winning. Win yourself some great deals and maybe even a brand new conical fermenter. Enter today only at morebeer.com. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. 
This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking aeration, oxygen, uh, how it, how it goes in the beer, and uh, Palmer's on a roll. He's he's been he's been quite snippy tonight. <laughs> I mean, I had an attitude problem, uh, you know, a few shows ago. Oh, that was on Kenya Brett. But uh, Palmer's Palmer's got the thing going tonight. Call him Butter. He's on a ah. roll. <laughs> He's been much better than you tonight, JP. That's 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 the kind of humor that Palmer normally has. <laughs> but not tonight. Not tonight. He's got the zingers. He's got the zingers. <laughs> All right. So uh, a couple a couple other questions. All right. So welding oxygen versus medical oxygen. Go. Same. Same. Right, it's the same stuff. It's there's there's no difference. I technically I, I think they they need to uh, you know guarantee a certain purity in medical oxygen, but uh, you know it's all just you know collected out of the air anyways through the same piece of equipment I believe. And, yeah, uh, it's just know, the tank, right? That's what they ninety nine nine ninety nine five. It's at those levels. It's you can't it can't support life anyway. It just oxidizes right. everything. So. Yeah, and, and people go, well, you know, there could be oil in me- welding oxygen. And no, there couldn't, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have a fireball on your hands. Uh, so pretty cool, though. You know, any anywhere you can get uh, oxygen, I think you, you're going to be just fine. You know, the, the the thing is, you know, cost. Uh, welding oxygen would be a lot cheaper than medical oxygen, just because you know uh, of liability and. Uh, and uh, insurance purposes, I think. Right. Because if you, like, you know, screw up somebody's weld, that's one thing. If you kill somebody, that's a whole <laughs> different uh, liability factor right there. Well, you know, in fact, I think, I'm, I may be I may be completely wrong, but I seem to remember that actually welding oxygen is higher purity than medical. Um, medical mm-hmm. may have more water in it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but either, that's a theory, case, though, right? Either case, yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. If you can get oxygen yeah, it, in a it, tank, it's fine for brewing. Yeah, get it from Home Depot, you're, you're yeah. good. And anywhere you can get it cheap, that, that, that's the way to go. You know, get it from uh, whatever place you think. Uh, aeration stones. Um, again, I, I think the, we kind of touched on this earlier. The whole yeah. purpose is the finer the bubble, the more liquid it's going to lift to the surface. You'll get more surface area on it. Uh, uh, you know, the, uh, let's say you're you're passing uh, a liter of oxygen through a stone. The finer the bubbles that that liter of oxygen is broken up into, the more surface area that it's going to have. It's dramatically different. Um, you know, if you're doing just bubbles out the end of a, a tube, a quarter-inch tube, Versus, uh, you know, a, a two micron centered stone, it's a huge difference in surface area. It's 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 on the order of thousands, tens of thousands of as far as surface area goes. But it really doesn't matter that much. Really, what's happening is it's lifting the liquid to the surface. It's you know turning that liquid over in the fermenter, and all the oxygen gets de- or air gets deposited at the surface of the wort in the head space of the fermenter. And that's where, you know, turning that liquid over in the fermenter at that, that, that purified headspace of oxygen, that's where a lot of your absorption is happening. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it is worth getting the center stone, um, uh, but not critical. I think you could you could pump oxygen into the into the headspace. This is, uh, you know, I get all yeah. sorts of oxygen questions uh, via email. I'm sure you do too, John. Um you know, you could pump oxygen into the headspace of the fermenter, 
and then just shake the fermenter, and you probably get mm. quite a good. Yeah. Uh, the That's thing true. is, you won't get the oxygen, the the wort from the bottom up to the top, unless you're really like tumbling your your fermenter. How do you oxygenate your wort, uh, JP? I breathe into it. <laughs> just sit there. That and explains cough. a whole lot about the flavors <laughs> of your beer. Yeah. I sneeze. Um, yeah. I have a, an oxygen system with the. The little red uh, Burns-O-Matic or Benzomatic or whatever uh-huh, the welding uh-huh. uh, the welding thing with the little uh, brass and black uh, knob mm-hmm. with a tubing to uh, uh, to a sanitary air filter. Be, mm-hmm. You know, just in case it's you don't, you cheap don't enough. Need it. You don't need don't it. need it, but right. uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's whatever. A of boxes, it's not going to hurt anything anyway. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, to a centered stone, and I just drop it down the uh, the hole in my conical. Right. Turn it on for uh, an arbitrary amount of time. Uh, my concept of time is real off, so it could be half a minute, could be mm-hmm. two minutes, um, and that's it. That's really all, all right. I do. And you brew really good beer. Yeah, I, I brew beer. Right? No, you brew really good beer. Yeah, that's all right. And, and, and uh, so I think you know. There's. I appreciate the, it. the the process is fairly forgiving. I think you're saying right. It is. Yeah. And when I had a a, um, a carboy. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I did everything from the little thing that shoots the air. You know, the the uh, wort aerator. Mm-hmm. Oh, whatever. it kind of fans out. It fans it's like out, a yeah. little quality fermentation, like an inverted, uh, or it's like a you know uh, a little uh, China hat, China hat, right. <laughs> like a patty hat. Yeah, <laughs> when you're working the rice patties, <laughs> you would you would wear one of these hats. It, it's, <laughs> it makes the wort fan out into a from cone. your youth. Yeah. yeah, right. When I was when I was working the patties in my youth, uh, so I used to do that. I used to sh- you know rock shake uh, the carboy and. Uh-huh. Um, I just never felt safe doing that because my car was usually wet right. on the surface, or my hands were usually wet, and uh, it slipped a couple times. It didn't drop or break or anything, but I could, you know, I could feel my a lot grip. of lotion on your hands. Slip. Yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> well, I thought this was a serious show. Well, <laughs> you build it as a serious show, Justin. No. Yeah, uh, we want to know how you pass gas to your ward, JP. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but, but uh, that's what I used to do. I don't like doing the shake method because because of that. Because well, I don't want to. Kill myself. Well, one of the things I don't like about Yet. the the wort spray thing mm-hmm. is you got to be if you're you know you got to be pulling air into the, into your fermenter you know uh, as you're doing it, that. You're and, relying and, on the ambient air right. being okay, right? I, I exactly. like to you but know something positive better than pressure that. out of the fermenter using oxygen or filtered air so it's sterile. Right, but for you know three ninety five or two fifty or whatever it is, oh, yeah, yeah. something is better, better than, than nothing. nothing. Right. right, right. But you know, no, you, I agree. I, I completely. Agree I think you're that. picking up some uh, wild wild yeast and bacteria, and you know, your shelf life of your beer is going to be shortened from that. Okay, uh, let's see. Which you could also make the point for uh, an aeration system, an aeration pump without the sanitary air filter. Right, That's right, true. right. Yeah, you if know? you're if you're going to use a fish pump. Um, you, you got to use a sanitary, uh, you know, a sterile air, air filter on that. And they're only a couple of bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morbier sells them. I think Northern Brewer sells them. A, you know, your mm-hmm. local homebrew shop, uh, you know, probably has them or can get them for you. You know, go down there a few bucks and, uh, you know, you put that in line and, and you got no worries. Yeah. Other than uh, head retention, I think uh, that's a potential <laughs> gotcha. I think if you're if you're going for a long time, you you know, if you're going to do it, don't, don't do the 45-minute thing. I think 15 minutes is probably plenty. Yeah, I mean, as you say, J- uh, Jamil, you know, you're you're what you're trying to do is ex- move the wort, ex- bring it up to the surface, expose it to the headspace, mm-hmm. you know, keep mm-hmm. it moving during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you know, if you think that, I mean, if you're brewing a high gravity beer, um, and or your pit, you've got a low initial pitch, you know, 
then you could oxygenate it a couple of times, you know, over a, over a few hour period uh, for 10, 15 minutes at a time with the, with an air pump. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're not going to over oxygenate at that point, right? Uh, like you could with with Puro too, right? Um, and then that, that'll give you know the the yeast more time to absorb oxygen and uh, and you know build up their build up their numbers better. Well, one of the uh, questions that I get uh, every every couple of months uh, at least, and I got it just recently was. Um, you know, the... Uh, How'd you get so the, handsome? Well, there you go. Uh, All right. I knew there was a reason you are here, JP. <laughs> uh, you know, it wasn't just beer information. Um, you know, the dry yeast sites, uh, several of them say, well, you know, our yeast has all the, you know, glycogen, triolose, sterols, everything it needs to, to ferment properly. You don't need to add any oxygen to, to your wort uh, when you're using dry yeast. What do you think about that, John? Well, what they're what they're probably doing is they're just putting more cells in the package, you know, to maybe um, so they don't need to do a whole lot of reproduction. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know we've we've also talked about in the past, you know, pitching rates and so on. You know, you want a, a, a certain amount of uh, yeast replication because that builds essential flavors into the beer. If you know you use a high pitching rate where the yeast don't have to replicate much, you get a much different beer character than if you pitch, you know, a low pitching rate where they have to replicate a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's some truth to uh, what these companies are saying, where you know you don't need to add oxygen, um, but that's because they put enough yeast in that packet, so they've got a high pitching rate, and they don't need need as much oxygen to create. Uh, to, or to have the total yeast mass mm-hmm. able to ferment that batch, mm-hmm. but you're going to end up with a different character to the beer than if you had pitched, uh, say, an optimum amount of yeast or a lower right. amount of yeast with oxygen. Right. Oh, well, and uh, you know, my take on this, I I add oxygen when I use dry yeast, and uh, you know, my my thinking is this: there's a certain amount of uh, you know reserves that a yeast cell can carry. So uh, glycogen triolose, uh, you know, the sterols that, uh, you know, they need for the cell walls, all that, there's a certain limit to that. The, the wet yeast cell companies, liquid yeast companies. Oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> Which end did that come out of? Um, the, the liquid yeast cell companies, uh, you know, they're capable of putting all that into their yeast cells as well. They put hmm. just as much into it. The difference is, once you've dried that yeast, they're pretty much in stasis. They're, you know, nothing's really happening at that point. And those reserves are fairly locked in at that at that time. The liquid yeast cells, you know, they use that uh, reserve to really maintain the health of the yeast, uh, you know, on shipping. So they're maxing their yeast out as well. There, there's no dummies. These guys know what they're doing. They're, they're sending yeast, uh, you know, stacked to, to, to the to the gills with all the uh, nutrients and reserves that they possibly can hold. And the question is, you know, a month down the line, two months down the line, three months down the line, it's used up some of that in you know staying alive, and that's why you know, uh, you know, it's not at the maximum at that point. 
So that's kind of the difference between the liquid and the dry. Either way, I would, you know, add oxygen. I think, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't over-oxygenate in either case, but I don't think uh, you're going to experience any, any harm from the dry yeast. Anything else to add to that, John? No, I think you covered that real well. All right, thank you. Oh, no, no shot, no dig. Come on, you guys are nice. You guys are nice together. <laughs> uh, I was. We I was taking hands, a drink too. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't paying attention to what I said, so he's like, "Yeah, that was yeah. real nice. That was that was solid. All right." He was hitting the beer bong. He couldn't be bothered. <laughs> he went out, took a pee while I was talking. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was good. That was good. All right. Well, and I think we got uh, uh, a guest on the line. We've got uh, Tom Hart, uh, brew pastor. Hey, you there? I'm here. How you doing? Hey, brother. Now, you guys have been good. Oh, uh, Tom, you've been a long time yeah. listener, haven't you? I have been long, long time. Right. Right. And, uh, I enjoy all your shows. They're uh, educational, entertaining, informative, and uh, yep. Thank you very much. And regardless of our our locker room humor, it, it, it makes half the show. I think. Well, it is half the show at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, um, <laughs> Unfortunately, oh, a shot from least. Tom. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Justin and I were talking about it and and, and tell you, before the show uh, as locker room humor, and then we decided it's really more like juvenile detention humor. <laughs> <laughs> I just brewery humor. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I worked in a brewery for a while, and uh, I, I do know that my uh, my my humor shifted dramatically in those years. So <laughs> there you have it. There you go. All right, so uh, so Tom, I, th- I thought you had a lot of g- good uh, questions here, uh, and y- y- you've been in this uh, this brewing thing a lot longer than I have, at least twice as long as I have, and you even took the uh, BJCP exam, probably you know. Uh, I think that's when they asked twice what beer was made out of, you know. Like <laughs> twice <water>. as many years <laughs> ago before I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I started brewing in like 80 or 81, something like wow. that. Uh, crazy, crazy uh, uh, changes in the, in, the, in the history of that. And actually it wasn't, you know, we didn't even think about uh, uh, oxygenating beer. Um, it wasn't until we actually uh, opened a brewery and, Somebody said you ought to do it, and uh, you know we were just amazed at what it could do. So then, after I left that and went back to home brewing, of course, began to do it. But uh, um, the show's been helpful because uh, you know I've not ever seen a lot of information really on levels and uh, mm-hmm. and really even process. So oh. this has been good. You've been checking off all my questions. Okay. Um, but uh, the main thing that I, I picked up is you know <laughs> like everything else in brewing, you know, it's not rocket science, and uh, just don't overthink it. Um, but I, I had uh, two questions uh, further. I heard that uh, over uh, oxygenating can uh, affect attenuation. That you can have uh, um, uh, your beer can attenuate uh, more than you expect if you over oxygenate. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I've not experienced it myself. The other one would be uh, I have a couple. Uh, my system can be set up in a couple different ways. Uh, and for oxygenating, and one of them is in line. Uh, so as I uh, pump it, as it comes out of the uh, the chiller, I can um, oxygenate it right there. And I'm mm-hmm. uh, from what I'm hearing, it doesn't sound like there'd be a whole lot of advantage to that over just dropping the stone down in the bottom of the conical. Mm-hmm. Um, so thoughts there? 
Okay. Well, uh, let's tackle that over attenuation one first. I, I think uh, you know the you know there's there's a a potential there for that to happen. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's over attenuation or it's fully attenuated. The yeast are only gonna yeah. you know consume what they're going to consume. Uh, the the interesting thing is, I think if you force too much growth on the yeast, depending on your initial pitching rate and nutrient levels and a lot of other factors, you could actually cause the beer to attenuate less with too much oxygen. So, you know, uh, you, know you, yeah, they'll you make too much more growth. yeast rather than beer. Right. And you end up with, um, you know, you can end up with more acetaldehyde. You can end up with, uh, you know, a lot of other compounds that was unintended by over-oxygenating. Uh, that's, you know, part of that whole, you know, hot alcohols thing that uh, Chad was experiencing and, and, you know, a number of other people have as well. So while I think it's possible, I wouldn't worry too much about over-attenuating. I think, um, you know, if anything, I think a lot of people that are home-brewing, they tend to get used to, you know, the concept of their be- beers being under-attenuated not fully right. attenuated, and they think that's normal. And then when they get a fully attenuated beer, they're like, wow, wow, it over-attenuated. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything to add to that, John, or JP? No, I, that's what I was thinking, too. No, I, I like that. It's very... Uh... I was also thinking that, Jamil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the the language. You know, why do I do this show with anybody else? I should be here by myself, just just yeah, talking should. away. Yeah. Uh, the language that we use as as homebrewers, but people in general, is very important. So you say over attenuation. Well, that's not really possible. So if you want to solve the issue, that's true. It's not really possible. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to find but, out if if you're doing it or not, first of all, you have to stop calling it over attenuation because, like mm-hmm. you said, it can only do what it can do. Right. You can't make it do anything else. So right. uh, the only thing would be if you have uh, like a wild yeast or a bacteria, and you know, but that's then, not really over attenuation right. of the, the yeast. Those those it's your beer. Those critters right. are attenuating to what they can attenuate. Yeah, to which is like so. zero. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Uh, in line in O2 versus the fermenter, the my take on it is, uh, you know, the the advantage to inline O2 or air is that uh, you get a much higher saturation. You get a longer contact time with those bubbles. So, uh, you know, this 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 comes from like a lot of breweries where it'll put the uh, O2 in, and you know they'll run it through thirty foot a line before it gets to the fermenter, or a hundred foot a line before it gets from the from the uh, the kettle through the heat exchanger to the fermenter is like in another part of the building, and they'll inject their oxygen early on. It can get you know uh, they'll run it to a point where those oxygen bubbles, those real fine sintered stone oxygen bubbles, will be absorbed by the time they reach the fermenter. And you get almost, you know, it's like almost nothing, no bubbles by the time it reaches a fermenter because it's in contact for such a long time it, uh, you know, gets absorbed in. So that's kind of the advantage to, you know, inline. You're going to, you know, pump less oxygen, uh, you know, you're going to pay for less oxygen than, than if you, uh, you know, just bubble it up and, you know, and fill the fermenter type of thing. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of my take on it. You know, if you can do it, I think... Um, 
Well, all right. So what I would do is (laughs) I would do one or the other. I don't think it really matters. I think Mm. what's important is that it's consistent and repeatable and that you measure the amount of time and flow. And once it's repeatable, then you can cut back or you can increase until the beer tastes uh, perfect. John, what's your take on that? I think that's a, I think that's a very good point. Um, you can pit, you can you have two kind of variables. You can adjust your pitching rate, um, or you with in keeping your oxygenation level, you know, uh, method constant, um, or you can take it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch two yeast packs, um, and then I'm going to imp- work on adding more or less time for oxygen uh, to the batch. You know, subsequent batch. Till I, I get the beer flavor that I'm looking for, you know, getting that optimum uh, flavor profile. Um, I think I, you know, I think everybody can have can attack that either way. But um, what the important thing is is to get uh, to get the beer flavor you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And JP, what's your take on that as far as uh, in line versus you know right into the fermenter? Uh, I've never done in line. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, I can't comment on it. Um, okay. I think we as homebrewers want to replicate commercial brewers <laughs> as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I think we automatically assume that inline is going to be the best because right. that's what the commercial brewer does. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but my hose is too no- short to get good effective inline. <laughs> that sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> yeah, heard that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Compared um, to the compared I've to the shared big a room boys. with Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> His hose isn't too short. I can tell you that. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't have anything. To, I've only I've only ever done the shake or the oxygenation uh, method. So I don't know the shake. Uh, I'll do the shimmy later for you. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think that's so. I think it boils down to <laughs> that's a beer joke. The, Sorry, go ahead. The, the, the flavor <laughs> of the beer is really what you're 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 targeting. So you can use any of these methods. Uh, I think that's kind of the, the gist of the thing. You can use any of these methods. You can use uh, you know, the aquarium pump. You can use uh, uh, oxygen. You can use all these things. If the resulting beer is turning out uh, you know, uh, as an ideal beer, then there's nothing to change. You know, it, It'll work. I think you can, especially in ales, I think you can, you can get plenty of oxygen with, with air. I think when you get to loggers, you might need uh, to go to oxygen. I think that that's you know where the whole concept of oxygen you know really and and the need for oxygen came from. That's probably true. I think um, uh, you know you can use whatever method. I think the the importance of whatever method you're using is that the oxygen you're providing is delivered in a sanitary way, that you're not uh, drawing in outside air uh, unless it's filtered. And that um, you're doing it in a controlled way that can be measured. And once you're able to measure it, you're able to taste the beer. And based on the taste, you're able to adjust up or down and get, you know, the, the desired effect. And I think that's that's really, you know, what it all boils down to. Tom, uh, have we covered your, your questions? You got any more for us? 
No, I think you've done a great job. I really appreciate the time and energy you put into it. Well, and Tom, I I appreciate your you know the emails you sent me, and and I and I I appreciate this one especially. I think we we fast track this one. Uh, this one you, you sent at uh, end of October two thousand nine, and here we got we got uh, we got <laughs> that's an a, answer. That's a fast track. That's a fast yeah. track. That no, is no, no. a fast track. That the show before track. was a year old question. <laughs> yeah, it was over over a year old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we, uh, you know, we got we we got thousands of questions. You sent them in to uh, Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com, and uh, you know I save every one of them. John looks, we, John and I and Justin, we all review these, and we, we you know we we uh, pay attention to to the questions that are coming in. We can't respond to them all individually, um, but. You know, we save them all, and we will do our best to cover every question that comes in. And uh, we, we, you know, we take pride in in, in trying to do it right and uh, fully delving into to the question and answering uh, every question you got. So, uh, Tom, we really appreciate your uh, participation. It's been great. Well, thank, thank you. Good night. All right. Take care, brother. All right. So uh, that's kind of the wrap-up on... Uh, Aeration, oxygenation. What did we? Uh, what was the conclusion? What's better? I just want to know what's better. So for those of us who listen to the show, for those of us who have skipped, Jesus Christ, skipped it out. And if, and if if you're if you're listening uh, live, stay tuned. We got a live Q and A sh- show coming up, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what Justin's <laughs> saying to me. We'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back Bruce or Smart. something. I don't know. Bruce Strong. This is Bruce Strong. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. 
That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. There's an app on the iPhone for just about everything, including beer. Apps for finding a pint of beer. Apps that look like you're drinking a pint of beer. And now, there's an app for brewing a pint of beer. Introducing BrewPal, the most all-inclusive beer brewing app for professionals and hobbyists that fits in your pocket and goes wherever you do. Recipe formulation that can be imported and exported with a customizable database. Mash and sparge calculations, yeast pitching rates, carbonation tables, and more. Available right now for less coin than a pound of grain. See BrewPal in action at BrewPal.info and download it for your iPhone at a special introductory price right now. BrewPal, all the brewing software you need, right in your pocket. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Woo! Yippee Kaye! <laughs> We're back for another segment of this show. Can I, I do one? Finish this show. Yeah. Can I do an intro? Sure. Ramalamading dong. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Can I fit in, John? Reverend. <laughs> I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. A harumph. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was showing my kids Blazing Saddles, but then I realized it was R-rated and uh, probably not appropriate. <laughs> and an R-rating back then is like an X-rating now. Uh, well, yeah, well, no. Not Almost. Really. It's kind of the reverse. But a lot what? of the, you know, a lot of the jokes don't don't really translate today. I found oh, farts translate all the time. Well, yeah, those. But I mean, a lot of the racial stuff just doesn't work anymore. <laughs> it's not risque anymore. Oh yeah, well yeah. There you go. Mm. I, I was, you know, I was sitting with my youngest daughter and went through uh, all the uh, National Lampoon uh, vacation movies. <laughs> I realized they're all R-rated with a lot of a lot of booby action. How old is your How old is your daughter? Uh, she's like fourteen. Is that weird? A little bit. A little bit weird, right? 
Yeah, but you know, it's, it's boobies. You know, everybody's got boobies. <laughs> Even Jamil. Her dad's got a big pair. You know, <laughs> <laughs> is the right one bigger than the left one? No, that's no. on my that's on my testes. Okay. You, need to, you need to pay attention. Actually, they're all the same size. I'm kind of disappointed they've gone back to being so small. But you know, I just keep squeezing them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or twist them around. I think it's the torsion thing that does it. I just poke G- them back. Give that a try, Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> this show's already gone in the toilet. Oh my gosh! Yeah, what does our what does our new sponsor Blickman think of it? Think of this. I don't know. I did warn him actually. You warned him. <laughs> That's why he sent me all those weird emails of what have I got myself into? I think this is the end of the company. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, all right, all right. So, so uh, where are we at? We got some questions from the chat room, so we wrap this, this quick, sob up. Couple quick clarifications, and we'll get out of here to our Q and A show coming up next. Right, uh, right. Another show coming you, up. You talked about your flow meter. Use a medical grade O2 yes. tank. Where did you get it? Um, you got yeah, okay. well, You did, didn't you? That's right. But yeah, but I've I, I I had one before that. Uh, again, I you know uh, as a dive instructor, I. I had a tank with a you know for emergency, purposes. but it was it was medical grade, medical. not the welding grade, which is like a well, CO two, right? Right, right, uh, right. Well, all right. So it's not necessarily medical grade. It okay. is, uh, you know, the, the, the ox- it's oxygen regulator based on flow is what they use for medical emergencies, right? So you put a a, a mask on somebody's face, yeah. You deliver a certain flow of oxygen that they can breathe from, and they they dial down to you know a quarter or a half liter per minute, you know, up to like you know four or five liters a minute. Okay. And that's really all it is. It's it's those settings, and it just control it. It it allows a certain flow of of gas, you know, regardless of tank pressure, and you're delivering that amount of oxygen to the end end result, which is the patient or the beer. So where is it available? This is follow up. I'd go to eBay or something like that. Okay. It's not a general. It's not generally a homebrew shop. No, item. no, no, no. Okay. And, no. you know, if you try and buy it from, like, you know, some medical supply place, they're going to want to see, like, a license for, for yeah. using those sort of things. Yeah. Jerks. Yeah. You could probably go to a welding shop and get one for, you know, oxyacetylene welding. Okay. Um, or go to eBay. Okay. Right. And those those tend to be, you know, uh, tend to deliver a pretty consistent flow as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, there's there's really no difference in the technology between welding and medical. It, medical just needs all of the FDA approvals and overhead. Well, it's got to a go number it. on it. I mean, you, yeah. you click it to a various so you know what the setting is versus opening That's, a valve and looking and at your flame and seeing that your flame is right. You're looking at a dial or pressure. You dial yeah. it to a, a, a certain number. And that's one of the advantages of the medical regulator. That's true. Now, if you happen to... So, I know a lot of dentists, so I got a lot of Johns, but I got a lot of dentists as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of the advantages of dentists is they're essentially doctors. (laughs) Essentially. (laughs) 
Doc would punch you for that, I think. No, no, no. I, I'm saying, doctors. you know, I, you know, Doc's not going to do brain surgery on me. Yeah, yeah. Or take out my appendix. No, Nobody asked him although, to. Although, yeah, if, if you if, asked him to, he'd yeah. probably try. Yeah, oh, well, I, I, I trust I trust him over a lot of other people to I, do it. I could do that. Um, you know, but, you know, they're, they're freaking, some of these dudes are surgeons. Yeah. You know, and they can prescribe medications. They can, they do everything a doctor does except, you know, they're working on the mouth versus yeah. all the other parts of the body so uh, certainly can they can do it they don't do it every day is, is my point so they're essentially you know they're not gps and they're not uh, they're specialists on the mouth they can prescribe a, a lot of stuff and they there's a lot of doctors uh dentists uh dentist doctors in the home brewing <laughs> uh, so you befriend one of them they can set you up with oxygen you go to your dentist and say hey you know i want to get uh, uh you know oxygen for for brewing you know, can you hook me up? You'd be surprised. Well, that's where I'd go. Okay. If you know, if you can't find it on eBay or something like that, that's who I'd turn. I'd turn to my dentist. I wouldn't turn to my GP. Okay. And a final clarification. Because uh, your GP is going to say, why are you drinking? Are you drinking too much? That's <laughs> what so they ask you. How much are you drinking? Yeah. Fill out the like, survey. I don't know. Uh, it's for a how friend. Much, you know, yeah, how much does the keg hold? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What day is it? Yeah. Your dentist isn't going to question how much you're drinking. Your GP is going to question how much you're drinking. That's yeah. from personal experience. Your dentist is going to make you, tell you right there buy on the web, beer. On the cam. All right, last one. Uh, Aquarian pump with aeration stone for a yeast starter mm-hmm. or... Should we just get a stir plate? Stir plate. That's the better way to go? Uh, they're both fine. Okay. Um, theory is, um, you know, you can... you can um, Aeration has the benefit of stirring it up, maybe not as thoroughly as a stir plate. And stir plate, you know, it, it, it keeps... The yeast in suspension, they have access to all the sugars... And then you get the diffusion of oxygen through the the ever exchanging surface of the wort in the in the starter, right? If you use a uh, a stone with oxygen, you can get pretty much even stirring of the entire starter. You may have some dead spots, not a big deal. You may, um, you know, it's it. I you know, as long as you're not using pure oxygen, I think that's fine too. Whatever's cheaper for you, that's what I'd go with. Whatever's cheaper, easier, and more sanitary. The thing I don't that's like how I about pick my the... women. <laughs> sanitary? Cheaper, easier, and more sanitary. sanitary. Whatever works that way. Is... The first you can and only the have two and the three. Of, yeah, the, well, I think the first and the third are mutually <laughs> like the, exclusive. Those right? rules, yeah. The, the, thing, the thing is, um, you know, I don't like uh, working with the stones because unless you're sterilizing it every time, uh, you know, you're, you're bringing some sort of contaminant over. Okay. Yeah, I don't like sticking anything in my starter. <laughs> Just right. like you don't like sticking anything in women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like sticking anything in yeah. anywhere. Unless it's a hypodermic needle. You know what I mean? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? All right. That's it for the chat room today. Take us to show number three, please. All right. Daniel. We're done. That's it. I already wrapped this up. Yeah. Just, just, we don't just scroll it. back in the uh, MP3. Just do an abrupt end. Right. And uh, we're going to go to a live Q&A. So if you're listening live, hang in there. We're, we're, you know, we'll answer all your questions. Call in 888-401-BEER or in the chat or email justin uh, at thebrewingnetwork.com and, and we'll answer those questions. Me, Palmer, JP, and Justin will answer those questions in just a bit. Uh, 
Otherwise, if you got a chance, go by the uh, the uh, Blickman site. Uh, you know, email uh, John Blickman. Tell him how much you appreciate that he paid for you to listen to the show for free. <laughs> Very cool of him. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we really appreciate you listening. Until yeah. then, be strong. Be strong, everybody.